Hey there, Freedom Jumpers. Welcome to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination. In this episode, you get to hear from the one and only Beth Dela Forrest uh, from Minnesota. She is the agency principal of Aspire Insurance Services. And this conversation has a lot of great content in the area of team building, of having a, a strong office culture, of training and developing uh, the people around you. Now you get to hear uh, Beth's story of uh, of her freedom jump and leaving uh, Big Red and going into uh, her independent uh, chapter of her career. Uh, we get into uh, pretty quickly into the team and culture uh, and training and you know that dynamic of being an agency principal. So uh, I love this topic of conversation. It is something that is near and dear to my heart. Uh, the team that we have built at Riskwell is um, is really largely uh, responsible for the success that we have. And uh, my ability to reach my goals is definitely tied to my ability to help this team reach their individual goals and develop their skill set and help them get what they want. Uh, as Zig Ziglar said, uh, you can have whatever you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. And Beth De La Forest definitely uh, practices that in her office. I think you're going to really enjoy this conversation. You know, as we roll hard to the end of uh, 2021, uh, we have two more episodes after this one. Uh, the one that drops uh, next week on Christmas Eve uh, is a great conversation with my friend and mentor, Mr. David Carruthers. You don't want to miss that for sure. And then we will end the year with the episode that drops on uh, New Year's Eve. It is all about the five lessons that I have learned in 2021 and how we're going to be better in those five areas in 2022. Uh, so that's what you can look forward to for the next two weeks as we wrap up the content calendar for 2021. It's been an amazing year. Uh, I'm glad to share it with you. So let's go ahead and roll that bumper and get to episode 33 with Beth Dela Forest. There are two kinds of people in the insurance industry, those who are captive and those who are free. This is the Agency Freedom Podcast. There is so much I wish I would have known before I made the freedom jump to the independent side. I mean, even now, I feel like I'm learning something new every single month. We're all about helping insurance agency owners and sales professionals reach your maximum potential and flex your freedom. My team and I replaced six years of captive agency revenue in 17 months with RiskWell. 17 months, man. It's crazy. This show is where I share our successes, our failures, and what I've learned along the way. We lay out a blueprint of how to make your freedom jump from captive to indie to market domination. I'm bringing you colleagues from markets across the country with dozens of different specialties. They're eager to share their stories and best practices with you. I'm your host, James Jenkins. Welcome to Agency Freedom Podcast. Let's go. 
Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Agency Freedom Podcast. We take our listeners from captive to indie to market domination, and uh, I'm your host, James Jenkins. Joining me today is none other than uh, the incredible, the incomparable, Beth Delaforest. <laughs> and I don't know if I say that in the, the correct, uh, full enthusiasm, but... Uh, Beth, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to a lively conversation with you today. Yeah, I'm excited to chat with you. Awesome. So uh, I don't have the opportunity to to talk to that many hashtag boss babes <laughs> in the uh, insurance world. I have no idea what the data is, but uh, female agency owners, agency principals, unfortunately, is still a fairly small percentage. So I, I love getting the unique female perspective because uh, as we all know Beyonce said it exactly the right way girls run the world uh, so uh, you have a different way of operating and, and a different way of looking at things than most of the guests that we have on here so really excited to, to hear your story and, and talk about a couple of things that as you put it are your superpower which I think is fantastic so uh, why don't you uh, start us off with your intro, uh, the brief version of your story, uh, how you got uh, to this point in your career uh, and filter in whatever details you want, uh, hobbies, family, life, whatever you're into outside of agency operations. Uh, and then we'll just jump into the questions and go from there. All right. All right. So that's a lot. I could take up some Who time. are you and uh, how did you get to this point in your career? We'll start there. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, I, uh, I'm Beth DeLaForest. I own Aspire Insurance Group. Uh, we have locations in both Minnesota and Wisconsin. Um, however, we're, I, I originally built us to be a remote agency. So, even though we now have locations, which just kind of organically happened, um, we are actually um, have a very hybrid set up now. Um, I started in the insurance industry when I was 20, completely by accident. I became a receptionist at an insurance agency when I, um, so yeah, I was in waiting to get a nursing school and needed a way to pay rent. So hmm. that's how I started. And it roped me in. I know so many of us don't plan on getting into this industry and uh, I would have never imagined I would be, you know, 21 years later, sitting in the seat that I'm in today. Uh, I was So I was at State Farm for the first 10 years of my career. And um, it was great training ground from an operational standpoint in agencies. Um, but I really love the, the philosophy of that we're in a helping profession. And mm -hmm. when you are with a captive, it's really hard to feel like you're actually helping people. Uh, don't really need to dig much more into that. I think you probably understand when you only have one set of products in one company. Um, yeah. You learn how to do a lot of arm twisting, don't you? You do. And in emotional appeals. Yeah. You drink a lot of Kool-Aid. And, um, yep. and Big Red is great at the Kool-Aid drinking, aren't they? Yeah. I really, I mean, I look back now and I think to myself, oh gosh, the things that I used to believe even, I mean, about not only from a company standpoint, but also from coverages that were available. <laughs> it's just, yeah. So it's definitely more interesting on this side of the fence. I think is. we can all agree. Yeah. It's, it's much more fulfilling because I, not only do I truly believe and feel like now I'm in a helping profession, it's a lot more exciting. And, you know, 
Um, we're about 55% commercial, 5% benefits and Medicare, and, and then um, the remainder is personal lines. And now, you know, when I was at the farm, you know, mostly it's personal lines. And boy, does that ever get boring after a while when you're just one company personal lines. You can really just, you know, now yeah. I can truly say I'm never bored. <laughs> no, certainly not. Yeah. It was the same way at farmers. The the rinse and repeat uh, of agency operations definitely gets a little tedious. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So I, um, in 2010, decided to um, jump ship. And I started on um, on my own. I started scratch as an independent agent. So um, that was intimidating. I had... You know, I didn't take anyone from State Farm with me. I just started completely on my own. So I leveraged existing relationships and took a really deep dive into com learning commercial insurance. Um, and then I had a real hard time. The agency that I started at, I am so appreciative of them for a few things. Number one, I learned commercial there. Number two, they were able, they let me negotiate first right of refusal for the book of business that I built. And, hmm. and also I learned the downside too of that there can be a real tug and tugging game between uh, operations and agents. I didn't know that that even existed before I was, before I started my book of business. So um, I just saw so many things culturally that were, just didn't align with what I would have a vision of an agency looking like. So in 2014, mm. I bought out my book of business and started Aspire with that book. Mm. And um, we've grown since then. Um, did my first acquisition in 2020. And uh, now we're a team of 12. Wow. So that's the, fantastic. That's, the, that's everything in a nutshell. <laughs> So you, you gave me the line of business mix and shame on me because we haven't had a quote unquote normal guest in a while of just, you know, another agency principal from the industry, you know, doing the retail thing. Mm -hmm. uh, we've had several uh, outside of the box guests uh, recently. So uh, I kind of got away from the question flow of, you know, give me the rundown of your agency. You already gave the line of business breakdown. Mm -hmm. You got 12 people. You said you've got what, two locations? Is that right? Yeah, we have two locations, Minnesota. Wisconsin. And then you've got a lot of, uh, of work from home or, or hybrid uh, kind of people as well. Uh, so just from a, a, a premium volume, uh, you come from a relatively low premium uh, two states there, not exactly known for, you know, Oklahoma and Texas size premium. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the, the relative uh, volume of the agency, just so people have some context for you? Volume for the agency right now is um, well, premium volumes around six million. Cool. Okay. Yeah. We, that context is so helpful for people uh, to understand. You know, your perspective obviously is colored by uh, your 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 work experience and a you know three year old agency principal with a million and a half in premium, maybe two fifty in revenue is going to be sounding and looking very different than someone who is, you know, 6 million in premium and a, a million and a half in revenue. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a very big difference there. So uh, management system, CRM, important tech stuff. What are you into? 
So we do like to leverage technology, especially since we have the hybrid nature that we do. Mm-hmm. How we need to uh, we're operate as a collective whole. And so we we actually, it's funny, I'm just in the middle of putting together a vendor toolkit for my team right now. So everybody knows the resources that are available because it's easy to sign up for a bunch of stuff and then hard to communicate what we have available and then assigning an expert in the agency for each vendor. So I'm not trying to learn all of them. Um, mm-hmm. So we're on easy links right now. Um, we use agency zoom as our CRM right now. Our texting is actually um, through easy links, which is not my favorite, but I have just really been not able to, f- not able to find something that I've fallen in love with for texting mm-hmm. like through agency zoom. So yeah. It's on my to-do list. Yeah. We, uh, we use Twilio uh, through Agency Zoom. Okay. Uh, that is that's where uh, we were recommended to them uh, by our VOIP provider, Lightspeed Voice. Uh, shout out to Steve Moore and their team. They're fantastic. Mm-hmm. Definitely a little bit of uh, clunkiness on the front end, getting some things figured out with the integration between Twilio and Agency Zoom. But since then, it's been very smooth sailing. So. Just as an offhand comment, you may want to check out Twilio. Yeah. It was reasonably easy to set up. Um, I don't know that many people that are enthusiastic about uh, their integration uh, with uh, text messaging, specifically uh, MMS and being able to attach to a text message. Uh, Agency Zoom is actually pretty good at that. Uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised how easy it was to include actual data uh, in a text message because a lot of people for some crazy reason like to receive their information that way. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't fully understand that, but you know, it's nobody asked me. So right. anyways, uh, what other vendors and anybody else stand out as, as very important to how you operate? Yeah. I'm actually going to pull up my toolkit right here. Cause it's like right in front of me. Nice. Um, I love that you built one of those, by the way. That kind of plays into some other stuff we're going to talk about in this conversation that you even thought to have a, a toolkit for your team's benefit. Yeah. You know what I put on here? I put on here the vendor, the URL, what it's used for, um, who the assigned expert is in the team. Uh, and then I actually am sharing my monthly cost with everybody so that love they it. know the amount of resources that are being dedicated, I think it's easy for them to to just not know, you know, if they think money grows. Mm-hmm. It's easy to think money grows on trees, but this is showing that we're putting a lot of money forward, you know. So Yeah. Oh, I think that's brilliant. Oh, uh, let's see here. I, I'll challenge you one, one level further. You may think I'm crazy, but uh, when we get our P&L from our bookkeeper and accountant, I put it on the table for the team meeting and uh, everybody in our, our leadership team uh, has free access to uh, the profit and loss statement, the balance sheet. They know exactly what the line items of expenses are, uh, how I choose to spend our money. Uh, I think that level of accountability uh Right now, we only have six people. So right now, it's basically everybody has access to it. Obviously, if we had 12, we would probably be having a leadership team and not the entire company. At that point, the leadership team will have access to the P&L and, you know, the entry-level employee, it doesn't really affect them at all. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I don't know how you feel about that, but uh, any chance we get on a finance and accounting uh, conversation, I, I, I like to share that with 
you know, our, our guests, my peers, just because I don't think a lot of people do that. And I think from a team, from a culture perspective, that level of transparency, if you do it correctly, can be a really healthy thing. Yeah. Yeah. I remember because I was in your breakout session at IOA and I was like, that was, I, it was a new idea to me. And I'm not, I'm not opposed to it. There's three people in the agency now that will see the PNL. And then I have a, I, I just hit the jackpot. My CPA is actually also a consultant. They niche in insurance agencies. And so mm. he does on a quarterly basis, he does this overlay where he'll take um, best practices and then he'll overlay where our spending is so I can see if I'm staying in line with best practices. Yep. And that's been a really good um, guideline for me to follow. So hmm. um, that's how so far I've done it. Um, no, that's great. Yeah. I'd love to hear your, your vendor toolkit. What you got going on there? All right. So we have, you know, as I said before, we use easy links. We have freedom voice for our voice, but I am going to be moving over to Lightspeed. I want to wait till their app is done uh, mm -hmm. because we have a lot of people that will use that. And right now we use a third party app for our phone system, which isn't the best. Um, we have Glovebox. Um, mm -hmm. Shout out to Glovebox. Yeah, Love them. Like that. Yeah. It's a, it's a great tool. Um, we're really excited about it. Uh, let's see here. We use Slack in the office. We use Slack a lot in the office. Um, we're on Office 365. And um, let's look here. We have we do have Zywave. And um, we do a lot of voice drafts. So all of our um, renewals get a phone call. But it's a voice drop. And then we actually yeah, call the ringless voicemail. Yeah. Gotta love it. Yeah, it's, it works great. And but and then we're able what that does is it allows us to call everybody. But then we also will actually pick up the phone and really specifically call the, the accounts that we've flagged that really need some extra attention. So mm -hmm. that's how we're doing renewals. Um, we actually have a drip campaign and then a text that goes out for renewals as well. Now, l let me ask a question real quick, and I, I certainly don't mean to meddle, but I'm curious what the strategy is. You said you use Slack as your predominant platform for internal communication, which, I mean, obviously Slack is great. Uh, we used that before uh, we migrated to Office 365. Microsoft Teams and Slack yeah. would seem to be direct competitors, and Teams is seamlessly integrated into the mm -hmm. office 365 ecosystem so yeah help help me understand what's going on there yeah. what what's your thoughts on oh, that i knew you were gonna, i knew you were gonna go there because i've had that same conversation in my head so many times <laughs> i can tell you from personal experience we made the migration uh -huh. the migration itself was pretty clunky yeah uh, the data conversion uh, using the azure powershell and like the behind the scenes the data migration mm -hmm. uh, we outsourced that to a contractor who assisted us wasn't the best migration but being on the microsoft ecosystem for sharepoint and onedrive and all the other things um, teams is a lot better than slack mm -hmm. in my opinion there's so many ways you can plug teams in to the other assets where the data just flows easily. So at the risk of sounding like an evangelist for Microsoft, because I'm not, Slack is a great platform. Yeah. Uh, if you're on the rest of the Microsoft ecosystem, maybe just take a look. Yeah. You know, 
yeah. play around with teams and let your let your team decide if they like teams. Ha ha. Right. Microsoft joke. Uh, yeah. Anyways, sorry to interrupt. That's no. my uh, my you know stump speech for for Microsoft Teams there. And but. I I can't say as though I disagree at all. Um, I have had this has been my ongoing. It's been an ongoing conversation with myself on it. I have played with Teams a little bit. Worked. Um, like Travis Gensler had had um, variety mm-hmm. of different times where he would walk people through how to build out like the intranet in it. And so I was working on yep. that. And yep. we did that. Yeah. And I just, for, for me, it was starting to be such a learning curve building it out. And I have some people on my team that are really not great with technology. And so I try to keep it, my team isn't stupid, but I'm just going to say, I try to keep everything stupid simple so yeah. that people can really plug and play. And there was enough in teams that I felt like maybe a bit of a learning curve. So I've just decided to like not touch it for right now. Makes sense. That, that, that's yeah, we, we can chat offline if you want. I'll show you yeah. exactly what we've done. I'd love to uh, see that, that might spark some, you know, inspiration yeah. for something down the road. But yeah, I don't. We don't need to beleaguer the point there. Obviously, at this point, our, most of our listeners are probably like, "All right, moving the conversation along. Probably. Enough about Teams versus Slack." <laughs> All right. So, going back to my vendor list, we mm-hmm. we are on it. We're use Advisor Evolved for our website and quote bits. Yeah. And then, shout out to Chris Langell and his team. You guys are amazing. Yeah. They really quote bits. The girls have all really liked using that a ton. And Gravity Forms as well. We actually moved, we're in the middle of moving all of our Jot Forms over to Gravity Forms. So, um, and then we use Total CSR and I don't know if you, do you ever use Handwritten? Have you heard of Handwritten before? I'm not familiar with that one. Um, it's not very often. I, I don't know a vendor. So what what is, what's Handwritten up to? I'm guessing like thank you notes and whatnot. It is, but it's not like, so, so you know what send out cards, send out cards is, Mm-hmm. You know, you get it. And I I personally feel as though they're just kind of generic. I just don't, I don't like how yeah. they I don't see a lot of value in send out no. cards. It's just the style is not really my thing. Same. So I, what I had run into a problem with myself that I would write handwritten notes and then they would just sit on my desk and sit on my desk and sit mm-hmm. on my desk. and Implement or die. Yeah. So anyway, handwritten is, it is, they're actually handwritten by robots, but they By are actually handwritten. I sent one to myself before I started using it, and it it looks awesome. Like it's it looks like it's handwritten. It's real. It's actual ink. Um, it's so in its hand. It's H A N D W R Y T T E N, like handwritten, spelled hmm. differently. So um, okay, I like. I, it's been a good platform. Well- at the risk of being rude, while you're talking, I'm just going to yeah. go over here and see what we got going on, handwritten.com. Yep. And there's, I'm you still can listening, do things I promise. in bulk or you can send one-offs. So that way, and you, you can go in there and just pick a card, write it really quick, and then it's all just sent for you. And they, I like how it's done. They have a lot of integrations, too. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I'll also check this out. Yep. 
I well, there you go. That's that is one of my key takeaways from this conversation. Handwritten.com. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you you already in there? Let me know if you have some kind of a, a affiliate thing, but, and yeah, I, don't, I will but, I will drop that in for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, but it's been great. I it just makes I gets it off of our desk right away, and I have one person assigned in the office. So let's say somebody gets engaged, or somebody has a baby, or someone loses a spouse, or whatever. Just go into handwritten, drop a quick, you know, card to them instead of us being like having to have cards on stock or remember to go to the store and get something and, you know. Huh. Fantastic. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. It's been good. So that kind of rounds out my list. Well, thank you for indulging me on that. I think that question is so useful as people are, you know, especially coming in from the captive side, uh, but also, you know, the the regular, especially this time of year, as we record uh, in early December, you know, so many people are making vendor decisions for, for 2022 and beyond. And, you know, six months from now, when someone is rummaging through the, the back catalog of episodes and, and they hear this conversation, um, it's really helpful to know, you know, where other people are having success from a technology perspective. So really appreciate you sharing that part. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and, and transition now. Uh, you have 12 people on your team mm-hmm. and anybody who knows you on social, you're really open with your love of, uh, team and culture and just having a great, uh, environment for the people that work at Aspire. Uh, your hair, for those that are not me and can't see you at this moment, you've got a pink tint to your hair. And that's because your team hit one of their big annual goals mm-hmm. and you dyed your hair pink, which I just think is awesome. <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask a couple of questions in, in that space. Uh, and I'm going to start uh, back in 2014, I think it was you said, when you peeled off from your previous agency and took your book and launched something, uh, at that point, did you have any team members with you? Were you able to bring anyone with you or did you start at zero again? I started at zero again. I did have my husband who did unbelievable amounts of data entry. <laughs> wow. I know. Good to know. And he still does. I keep him really busy. He probably pulls his hair out. So anyway, but yes, it was, so I, the, the question I wanted to get to was so many people when they leave the captive world, uh, you know, I, I think of my friend, uh, Richard Johnson, uh, here in Fort Worth, great agent, uh, for the longest time struggled with, uh, you know, staff and what do I do? He, he was able to bring one team member over, uh, from the captive life. Uh, but there's a lot of people that are making the freedom jump or launching scratch and trying to figure out how in the world do I carve out enough revenue to pay for that first team member? We, it's not really hard to rationalize the need for the team member because you only have 168 hours. You really need somebody else if you're going to start to scale. Yeah. The hard part is figuring out how do we get to that point from, from a revenue perspective Tell me your story there, Beth. I'd love to hear how did you go from, you know, you and your husband as being the the primary, really only labor fueling the agency. How did that first hire go? How did you rationalize the cost of that? And were were there sacrifices somewhere that you made to make that possible? Talk about that for a second. Yeah. All right. So I would pull friends people that I knew within the industry, I would pull them in and sometimes someone would be able to help me 
in evenings or weekends. Other times someone would be able to help me, you know, a few hours here, a few hours there, or for maybe, um, maybe they were off for Christmas for two weeks and they could help me for two weeks. So I first started out by pulling in just resources of people that I knew from being in industry for a while. And that was able to bridge a bit of a gap. Then I thought it would be a great idea to have someone that was unlicensed come in and learn insurance, but I didn't realize how much time and energy it takes to train. So I was trying to train, but then I was also still trying to do all the other things. So that was really clunky. Um, and it wasn't until well, it was five, five years ago now. Yeah, it would have been five years ago now that I was able to take on my first full-time person or actually with, you know, and, and even that was, although that was a relief, I still just didn't know what I was, I didn't know what I was doing. And because we were built remotely, mm -hmm. that's a whole different skill set to learn oh, how yeah. to manage remotely and train remotely. This different set of vendors, it's a different set of skill sets that I had to develop. So I tend to be pretty gritty and um, I just, I just figured it out. So I think I've just had a real tenacious commitment for now since, you know, the past probably five years of just figuring it out, like how to lead a team and yeah, just really committed to refining those skill sets in me. Cause I know my agency is only going to grow as far as I grow my own skill sets. Hey, Freedom Jumper. Are you looking to take your business to the next level? Who isn't, right? Write more business and see your agency succeed with NBS. At Nationwide Brokerage Solutions, they understand the challenges local agents face in the constantly changing marketplace. That's why they offer a wide array of personal and commercial markets and policy options to help you meet the needs of your customers, no matter how unique or outlandish they may be. With a team of experienced and dedicated professionals that provide you with the support and guidance you need to see your agency succeed, Nationwide Brokerage Solutions is here to support you every step of the way. Don't just survive in the competitive insurance industry. Thrive with Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Get started today. Learn more at nbsbrokerage.com. Ain't that the truth? You know, mm -hmm. you and I as agency principals, uh, far too often, you know, unfortunately, and sometimes fortunately because, the, you know, your team follows your lead in, in energy and vision and direction. Uh, but as the agency principals, so often we are the limiting factor in the development of our team. So, uh, you know, definitely having some self-awareness, continual development uh, for, for you and I as agency principals, for sure. I want to ask a question in regards to uh, the remote side of things, because um, we haven't shared that much about it on the podcast yet, but kind of the overarching theme for Risk Well for my agency uh, this year has been uh, documenting of core processes, of putting standardized workflows in place, really building out the quality of our, our training, uh, making everything that we do uh, easily replicated by someone else. Part of that was because we hired two full-time VAs that are offshore uh, and we basically had to, to have them. Um, but part of it was just sanity. So, yeah. you know, being able to, to step back a little bit more. So as you, as you were getting 
off the ground. Obviously, you know, five, six years ago, insurance VAs wasn't really a thing yet. Uh, It's not nearly as, as widespread and common as it is now. How did you go about creating, uh, you know, core processes, standard workflows for things? Uh, at your, you and your husband are by yourself as official team members. You have some people helping out here and there, as you said, uh, but you haven't hired your first full-time team member yet. So I imagine your hours are preciously few. Uh, mm-hmm. How did that work for you? What were you how were you able to, to carve out time to, to document the way that Aspire does things successfully. Right. So I did start a manual of how to do that at the very beginning. So in 2014, I would write things as I went and it would be the overall process. It wouldn't be the step-by-step in the companies, in the, but it would be, you know, first you need to do this, then you need to do this more in general. And you know, but that doesn't necessarily, that doesn't help in the company systems because you're going to have different company systems that have different places to find things and different uh, processes of their own. So we evolved from that to now we do it um, via video. So we'll, we just kind of have an ongoing list of items that we need recorded. And then we'll record using a variety of to- tools, whether it's even Zoom or Loom or whatever it is, but we'll download it and we'll just, then we'll save it in OneDrive. So we have an ongoing, I guess you could say, library of video hmm. um, training tools in there. Have you used Microsoft Stream yet? I have not. If you're, if you're going to the trouble of saving them in OneDrive, you might take a look at Stream because it's included in Office 365. Okay. Uh, we have done basically exactly what you just described with the exception of uh, we host that video in Microsoft Stream and it lets you create channels and playlists and whatnot for organizing purposes I has like been that. really useful for us. Yeah. Um, but everything else that you just described is the journey that we've been on this year. So uh, yeah. I can I can appreciate that struggle. Yeah, it's good. So moving forward into the hiring... Okay, so you've got, it's 2016, right? So you went basically solo, you and your husband, for about two years, give or take. Mm -hmm. And then at that point, you got your first full-time team member. Mm -hmm. So you go from one in 2016 to 12 in 2021. Yeah, That is a pretty aggressive hiring curve. Uh, A lot of people are going to be very impressed by that. I know I am. Uh, talk to me about what that experience has been like as you transition more and more out of being a day-to-day insurance agent and instead being what we all should strive to be, which is the owner of the business, the executive, the one who's responsible for you know, vision casting and developing a quality team. What's that been like for you? Um. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of that meme where they say success looks like, you know, people think success looks like this, but it really looks like this. And one is this vertical line. The other one is the most sloppy, squiggly line ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mine's looked like the really sloppy, squiggly line. And yeah, a lot of there. Yeah, it's like the high highs and low lows. And yeah, um, it's it's actually been really good because I think because I never look at failure as I, a failure. I look at it as something I learned. So I, um, and I have a, I feel like I'm a pretty good bounce back factor. So I would say the hiring now 
because I fell on my face a bunch of times, is goes it goes really well. And my team right now is the best that it's ever been. Um, I want to share, there's two things I think that really um, have really been, a, well, there's three things I think have really been a catapult for me. The first was I had an A player on my team and she was a, somebody that everybody would rave about. I would hear compliments about this person on, at least weekly from clients unsolicited. Uh, and she was amazing at wow, wowing clients. And retention was great. Cross-selling was great. And she was completely toxic behind the scenes to the team. I mean, it was significant. And I, you know, am a big believer in coaching in private and praising in public. And so there was a lot of coaching being done behind the scenes and behavior wasn't changing and the needle wasn't moving. And I have a really long fuse and I was patient about it, but it had been over, it had been over a year of working on the same stuff, but the rest of the team was really suffering because of this one person. And so this past uh, July, this person, I um, helped this person to move on. And that's, that's such a polite way of saying it. It really was though. I mean, my, my honestly, my verbiage was I'm going to do the healthy thing for everybody involved because, you know, it's, it was the healthy thing for her too, not just the, the organization and the team, but it was for her individually as well. And, um, and I truly didn't let this person go for any, like it wasn't done out of malice on my part. So, but here's the funny thing that happened. My hair is pink right now because I let this person go in July and it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because my plan B was not nearly to the caliber as what the status quo had been. But after that happened, we kind of let the dust settle in August. But guess what happened? September, October, November, we all met our team goals. Three months consecutively it is what needed to happen before I would dye my hair pink. And so I dyed my hair pink. We met our November goals in November, on November 2nd of this year. So, mm. it, it, so it is absolutely fascinating how we as agency owners can be held captive by a team member who's toxic and the amazing power that comes when you have a really solid team. There's the whole, there's no I in team. Mm -hmm. and, and when you're brave enough to, to cut off those toxic pieces, how the team rallies around each other. And so even though I may um, in this one particular department, not have like this, the depth that I feel like I want in this one area, we're working on it. It's going to get there. But everybody, but as a whole, the collective whole, it's been better than it was before. So mm -hmm. it's, that to me was just, it's been the most amazing experience. Um, but the other part is I started using, I do not, I'm going to just, I don't like personality tests. I don't like them for a lot of reasons, but personally, I might have a little bit of a vendetta against them because... I was turned away from a sales position at this like little, it's, it's a local, I think they do like web design and graphic design and whatever. It was a forever ago. I was, maybe I was 18 or 19 and I applied to be in sales there 
And they said, no, because my personality profile didn't test well for sales. Okay, so that's fine. But I am actually good at sales. I am a farmer. I just am a really good farmer. Mm. And um, and so I've never used them. That was probably one of the reasons I've never used them. But I ran into something called Acumax. So Acumax is, it tells me how you're wired. It's neuroscience. It's based on psychometrics. And that's actually the same algorithm algorithm that the armed services uses to profile soldiers for where they're going to put them on the battlefield. So you can also legally hire and fire off of it. Hmm. And so this tells me how each individual on my team is wired. It's not a pass or fail, but it tells me their how. And so now with the team, I'm able, we're able to share our hows with each other. I can build their plans of, you know, what does winning look like for you or what does your dream day look like? I can use Acumax and I can leverage it. And it has just diffused any tension on the team. And it's just been, it's just that tool has just, it's just been the best gift. I've also been able to use that. So I created an agent program. And within the past, oh, probably six months here, I've just added um, three brand new agents. But we were able to pro- create an actual profile of what an agent looks like that'll fit our culture, that is, you know, who we want it to be. So we're actually now, can when people come in and want to, interview to be an agent, I have them take this assessment and then I can match it uh, compared to um, what, what they what their Acumax looks like compared to the person that we created for in Acumax. And that's I've heard of this vendor. This is oh my gosh, this is entirely new to me. It's it is neuroscience to taken and applied for employment, huh? Yeah. It's probably one of the three smartest things I've ever done in my agency. Like it's that sounds fantastic. Been amazing. So, and I have somebody that um, I hire somebody that's an expert in Acumax, and then her and I sit down and we we're building out all kinds of different things. So I can performance plans can be based on how they're wired, how each one structures their day, um, just how I communicate with them. Like some people are task before social, some are social before task. So there's some people when they come into my office, I know I want to get bang right straight to it. There are other people when they come in, I'm going to say like, hey, you know, how how did, you know, George do in his soccer game? And I'll have a little small talk ahead of time. So I know, but I, I'll know how they work. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. So the process of getting from one team member to 11 team members in in five years you're hiring an average of two people per year mm-hmm. uh you know one of the first questions any anyone having that conversation with you is going to ask is how do you make sure you're hiring uh for the right seat first off who do you know who you need to hire how do you know who you need to hire next now now anyone who's read the book traction understands the concept of the right person in the right seat yeah. Uh, and and I see you shaking your head. So I imagine you have also uh, you know been familiar with that way of doing things. Um, so I, I think I know where your answer is going to to, to come. In that you've built out your uh, org chart to the extent yeah. that you know what it needs to look like now. 
And sitting here right now, I bet you can tell me what your next two hires are from right now, like how you go from 12 to 14, what that looks like, can't you? I can, and it's here's what's so funny is, so I, I do operate off attraction and um, entrepreneurial operating system. I actually yeah. um, am getting ready for, we have a vision meeting coming up. We take the last quarter to plan. Um, so we have a process that we go through for that. And so they tell us to have an accountability chart. And I actually have mine up because I was um, revisiting it. It's they Traction teaches us, right, that it's a living, breathing document and you need to be always working on it. So I do that. Um, so our next hires are, is going to be um, a VA to help with service and it's going to be an agent to focus on I have a niche in personal lines. That's a whole different subject, doggone insurance, but I want someone just specifically um, focused on that. And I'm going to need another VA to start supporting our new business manager as we grow in sales. She's going to need a little bit more relief than she has right now. So yeah. those, are my, those are my next three. No, that's fantastic. So that's how you got from 1 to 11 is uh, mapping ahead of time. So you know the moment uh, that you enter a calendar year, you know, what the, the metrics are when you get to the point uh, that you, you know, reach a certain metric, you know it's time to hire or start to hire the next person. And you've just yeah. been following that for the last five years. Yep. Delegate and elevate and then use your benchmarks and know who's, who is coming in next. And sometimes you need to lean into it. Like sometimes it's going to be someone that's going to be like part-time to full-time or sometimes, you know, I mean, we all love VAs, but sometimes VAs are a great fit in certain positions and not in other positions, but sometimes they can bridge a gap too, you know, until you get to yeah. that next spot. I've used a VA to bridge gaps before. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, that and I mean, I would say the key pieces were having having the account managers in personal lines and in commercial lines were my biggest, those were my biggest pivotal moments. And then from there deciding that I would build a VA under them, and this was the one that bridged the gap as service, so that hmm. my next hire was actually someone doing um, new business quoting because I all the agents that I'm hiring I am hiring brand new to the industry I'm not looking for people in the industry so they need to have someone really strong in their insurance knowledge in order to be doing all their quoting and binding no that makes sense are you sourcing your own remote team members or are you using a vendor for that no, I'm, I, I don't right now at this present moment I do not have a VA at this moment in the past when I have I have gone direct. Gotcha. Good deal. So you're building relationships offshore with people that will help you find good folks. True. Fantastic. No, I love that. So, you know, we are about 45 minutes into our recording time. I wanted to talk a little bit about culture. Uh, the pink hair story is such a perfect example. Uh, when I think about what you are known for in our peer group in IAOA and whatnot, you know, being a quality leader of a team and having a, a really healthy office culture, definitely from my perspective is something that Beth De La Forest is known for uh, in, in our group. 
Talk to me about how you have decided what that culture is going to be. Because as you said it you know, earlier in this episode, uh, the team really will take their pointers from the, the executive. Uh, the, the culture of a team is very clearly defined from the top down. So what does that look like to you? How did you decide what you wanted the culture of your office to be? And then what did it look like to go about installing that with your team? So, I mean, culture is the very reason why in July I made the move that I made. It's because there was core values violations all over the place. And if I'm going to say that our culture is important to us, then I need to make decisions that show that that my actions align with the, with the words that are coming out of my mouth. So I think culture is super important to me, which first of all, thank you for saying that. And you never know how people perceive you. So thank you for that. Cause that the culture piece is really important to me. Um, and I've followed a lot of Grant Botma stuff before and a lot of what he's done really resonates with me from a team perspective, but here's why it's important to me is because when I was 20 years old, I started as a receptionist. Because at 41 years old, at this point, I've sat in every single position that you can sit in on an agency side, from a scratch agent to a receptionist to service to from commercials. And I mean, personalized, you you name it. I've done the whole thing. And so um, this is when I was saying my superpower is that I because I that's what my superpower is, is that because I've sat in every seat, I can anticipate the, what they're going to go through, the feelings, the challenges, the just the stuff. Yeah. And so, um, and then when I started my book of business and started building it, then I ran into the cultural issue of the tension that can be there between sales and service. And I don't want any of that. And so I, that was one of the areas of traction was really helpful as I said, like our core values, our team creating raving fa- fans, holistic growth and innovation. But team is at the top and team means there's no person more important than the other on the team. Like we function as a whole. Sales can't do things without service. Service can't do things without sales. And I just, I lead with a lot of empathy. I am, I'm, I'm very comfortable making hard decisions and having hard conversations, but I have a really long fuse and they know that I'm there for them and that I that um, I have their back and if they make a mistake, they're not going to be, you know, they're not, I'm not going to yell or anything like that. So you I mean, you don't find yelling to be an appropriate uh, coaching strategy. No, I, I, I can tell you, I seriously have never yelled. <laughs> I mean, at my team, I've yelled like yeah. in my life, but I, I've never yelled at my team. I just don't, I, I, I think I would be so embarrassed. But no, I, it's yeah. If I seem a little distracted, it's because my team keeps messaging me on Microsoft Teams, and they're all in apparently a a silly mood. I'm not sure what to call it. Inten- <laughs> they're intentionally messing with me because they know that I'm recording a podcast. Like I think they're trying to get a rise out of me. Uh, like Carly on my team literally just uh, it popped a message on my screen and she said, "Well, I find yelling to be an appropriate coaching strategy." And I'm just like, "Well, one off, I, I respectfully disagree." Uh, and no, I, I'm right there with you. I, I think um, you know the, the the memes, you know, like the the office space, you know, that whole you know 
the angry, just domineering uh, management personality. I've never understood why people think that that is a good way to get something done. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just never made sense to me. No. Where, you know, when, when you're demeaning and humiliating towards a team member, doesn't make sense to me. I don't, mm-hmm. under, I don't understand. Right. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, yeah, I'm just, I'm super blessed to have the team that I do. And I do some things like we do, the, you know, some of the non-traditional like unlimited vacation and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I, that's not, that is not why they stay. Um, I know, I mean, you can, through that Acumax tool, you can tell like if someone's energized or if they're demotivated and that type of thing. And everyone's happy, at least that I can tell. So hmm. I think I think it's it's the leadership and it's casting the vision and it's stating your core values, but really truly integrating them with your decision making. Yeah, I mean if your if your core values and the day to day activity of your office are out of sync, now that you're falling into one of the five dysfunctions of a team, like Patrick Lencioni talks mm-hmm. about in his book. Uh, you know, where your team gets disillusioned pretty quickly if they understand or they they sense that you as the leader are not following the core values yourself. Yeah. And I mean, you want to talk about losing people's trust and confidence. I don't know if there's a faster way to lose your team's belief and trust and confidence if uh, what I've come to refer to as the say-do ratio, if what you say and what you do are not very close to a one-to-one ratio. Like <laughs> my team has heard that before and I had to explain what I mean by the say-do ratio. Because if you say it fast, it doesn't it doesn't sound like actual words. You're like say-do ratio, what is, what is that? What's right? a say-do and why is it a ratio? It's like, <laughs> it's, hold on a second. It's, it's a great saying. Yeah, if your say-do ratio way. is not close to one-to-one, mm-hmm. you're doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if you say something's important. If you're not doing things as if that thing is important, man, you're going to lose credibility with your team so fast. Yeah, I agree. It's funny that you said that because one of the um, one of the things I say every week in our team meeting was like, "Is there anything that's on your radar that you that should be on my radar right now, but you feel like it may have fallen off?" <laughs> or today I had about an hour of time that I didn't have anything booked. And I just told, I sent everybody a message and I was like, you got me for an hour. So if there's anything that you need, or if there's anything that I owe you that I may have forgotten about, let me know right now and I'll, and I'll work on it. You know? So it's just, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I would just say, you know, and I, I, they know that I just love them to pieces and they, and I show them that we do, we do fun stuff. No, I, I think that is as absolutely essential. Uh, you say it casually, but really, let's be honest. Uh, it is, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm trying to pay attention here. My team is busting a gut <laughs> they really laughing. They got you. <laughs> no, they, they, they successfully got to me. Good Lord. Uh, I, as I'm in the middle of talking about having a quality, um, you know, a quality culture, you, you said it right there at the end. It's we have fun. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how important that is for Riskwell's culture because I would hope that people would say the same thing about the way that I operate because team and culture is essential to my success. I've hired 
Of the people that are on my team right now, four of them came to me with zero insurance experience, zero sales experience. Like nobody has done selling before, with the exception of Jonathan, who was at a national broker. He's our personal lines guy. The, the four young ladies on my team came to us with nothing even remotely close to insurance experience. And all four of them showed tremendous promise. Like all four of them have the makings of a career in the industry. They can do whatever they want in the industry. And the only reason why that's possible is because they're treated like a human. And, and mm-hmm. you know, practicing the golden rule, like, I, I don't mean to ever sound like a, you know, a Bible thumper or like I'm proselytizing up in here, but my worldview is not a secret. I operate from an evangelical Christian worldview and, and try to operate under the golden rule and, and you know, be kind and generous and uh, honor God with the decisions that I make and how I run my business. And I think a lot of that is just, you know, set the, the religious, the evangelical stuff aside it's just being a good human, like being kind, mm-hmm. being generally mm-hmm. polite and asking yourself, if I were in this person's shoes, how would I want my employer to treat me? How would I want my employer to handle the quarterly meeting or the annual offsite or handle disciplinary proceedings or handle mm-hmm. a coaching situation? If I'm out of line, how, do, how would I want to be spoken to if I'm the team member? You know, if, yeah. if I make a mistake, how do I want my employer, you know, imagining if I'm the team member that made the mistake, how would I want my employer to engage in correction and, and mm-hmm. you know, making it better for next time? What if there's a really big mistake where well, we're talking like an E&O level mistake? How do I want my, my employer to treat me? You know, am I going to yeah. be treated with courtesy and it's okay, we'll figure it out, we'll get through this together? Or am I going to be on the receiving end of, of, you know, yelling and name calling and derision? And how could you make this mistake? You know, asking these questions, putting ourselves empathetically in the seat of the team member. I, mm-hmm. I hear everything you're saying and not to like jump on my soapbox near the end of the episode, but it just feels like that really is what it comes down to is, is empathy yeah. and, and yeah. treating other people the way that we would want to be treated being that good boss that so many of us as agency principals did not have, which is part of what launched you into, you know, being an agency principal and same for me and so Mm -hmm. many other people where we want to be a better boss than we received in a past life. Mm -hmm. So as we land the plane, what, what else, anything you want to add? I know this has been kind of exactly what I expected to be honest with you. We talked a lot about team, a lot about hiring, a lot about culture and development. Um, anything else you want to bring up before we go? Oh, I was I was going to say, I recently read a book called um, Your Oxygen Mask First. Mm-hmm. And it was just a complete life changer for me. So I just feel like I'm, I just wanted to put that out there because it was such a, it was just such an, I had so many aha moments and it changed a lot of what I'm doing with my daily routine. And I feel like as agency owners, we pour, we have pour a lot from our cups. And so this was real specific on entrepreneurs and the cadence and and care that we need to have and of of ourselves and not just talking like physically, but also like spiritually and mentally and that type of thing. And it was just, it was so, so good. So. No, that's great. Your oxygen mask first. That's the name of the book. Yep. Cool. No, Fantastic. 
So people want to get a hold of you, Beth De La Forest in Wisconsin and Minnesota. What's the best way for them to reach out? Well, I'm on social media. I'm primarily on Facebook, which I know might be a little old school. So um, it's just at Beth De La Forest. Otherwise, um, email is always really great. Beth at AspireInsuranceGroup.com. It's A-S-P-I-R-E Insurance Group. Cool. And um, yeah. Are, are you it. active in the Women of IAOA group? I am. I'm definitely not, you know, I would say probably even between the main group mm-hmm. and, and women of IOA, but yeah. Well, I, I know that is definitely something that a lot of ladies really like to have good quality conversations with other women in the industry. I know Cassidy Arbelli uh, is really big on her, her, you know, insurance is female thing uh, that she's talked about uh, in the past. So, um, you know, we didn't really get too much into uh, discussing the whole uh, female business owner and being a female in a, in a male-dominated industry. Uh, if we have you back a second time, which hopefully will happen at some point, uh, I'd love to get your perspective on uh, not just, you know, surviving, but thriving and embracing the identity of being a female business owner. Um, because you definitely have some uh, some capabilities uh, to reach certain categories of, of client that I don't as a traditional, you know, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male uh, insurance agent. There's people that I'm simply not going to be able to reach uh, as effectively Mm -hmm. as you can categorically. Um, We'll need to have that conversation uh, next time. I feel like there's a lot of meat on that bone that we can really dig into. There is. And I'll tell you a little teaser for... Let's just say we're going to do a part two because my viewpoint on this is probably a little bit different than you would probably traditionally hear. You know what? I have have a great idea for an episode we can do at some point in Q1 of next year. Um, I will get with Teresa Kitchens and we'll handpick you know, four or five really quality female agency owners. And we'll just have a, a panel episode where you're obviously invited back. Cassidy, if, you, if you're listening to this, you're invited back. We can just have, you know, four or five ladies discuss that, what it, what it is to be a female business owner and, you know, an industry professional uh, in what unfortunately is still, even to this day, very highly dominant and in a, a white male uh, demographic, um, which yeah. uh, I'd love to see that continue to change. So there's better representation for uh, people of, of different uh, backgrounds for sure. So awesome. Hey, um, this is fantastic. We made it an hour. I didn't know how this was going to go. Um, but uh, <laughs> Beth De La Forest, thank you so much uh, for joining really? me here on Agency Freedom Podcast. Uh, Uh, She is the agency principal of Aspire Insurance Group in Wisconsin and Minnesota. Uh, And that is it, boys and girls. Make it a great day. We will talk to you real soon. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Agency Freedom Podcast. Please subscribe to AFP on your favorite podcasting platform to get automatic updates on every new episode and help other people find us organically. If you like the content you hear, please drop us a quick review and tell the world what you like best. Most importantly, please share agency freedom with someone you know who is still on the captive side of the insurance world. They'll thank you later. You can connect with other Freedom Jumpers, ask questions, get advice, and share your best practices in our Facebook group. 
Just type Agency Freedom Podcast in the search bar. Visit our website at agencyfreedompodcast.com to sign up for our email list and get access to exclusive resources and sign up to be a potential future guest on the show. We welcome your comments, feedback, and ideas. Email podcast at riskwell.com and we'll look forward to hearing from you. Agency Freedom Podcast, where we help our listeners go from captive to indie to market domination. Until next time, let's go.